Sarah Sun, and I'm your host for today's episode of Think with ABD. Here at Analytics by Design, we are passionate about driving the conversations that are shaping our future through the use of AI, technology, and design. Everyone knows by now that one of my favorite things to do is to talk to one of our local startups. I have a very exciting guest for you here today. CG Chen is the founder and CEO of Ample Labs, a tech not-for-profit in Canada whose mission is to empower individuals facing homelessness but using technology. Their flagship product is Chalmers, an artificial intelligence-powered chatbot that makes it easier to find social services like free meals, shelter, clothing banks, and more in the city of Toronto in all real time on desktop and mobile. It's recently been featured in Forbes and Fast Company. Before Ample, CG worked at various tech companies as a user experience designer, including Ecobee, where she was designing experiences for IoT devices, and Tulip, where she designed enterprise software for luxury retails like Chanel, Kate Spade, Michael Kors, and Frank and Oak. Thanks so much for joining me here today. You're welcome, Sarah. I'm excited to be here. Okay, so reading your bio, how do you go from literally Chanel to homelessness problems? Let's, let's talk about that. <laughs> yeah, I put that in there because, you know, for that exact reason. Um, so when I was graduating my undergrad, um, you know, at that time, sort of the world of big tech was just kind of up and coming. So, you know, you heard about these amazing companies like Facebook, Google that are changing the world through what they do. And, you know, I always kind of saw myself going to Silicon Valley, like working for one of those companies. And so, you know, I did it and I stayed in Toronto, but I was always a fan of sort of retail and I I found that fascinating. So yeah, I mean, I picked a retail tech company after graduation. So that's why that's there. That's amazing. You know what? It's so true though. I feel like growing up anywhere technology adjacent in North America right now, is just like, oh, I've got to work for one of the fangs, right? The Facebook <laughs> or Google. And it's, there's this little bit of a, you know, the kids who get to work for those kind of companies, they, they've got a little bit of a swagger as they come back to campus. And the rest of us Absolutely. are like, like, who cares, man? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's exactly it. That's what I wanted. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, me too. I never got it. I never, I, but look at this now. We still made it, no? <laughs> yeah, kind of. Yeah, for sure. Oh, no, hell yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd rather be here than, you know, at a fang. Sure. (laughs) That's amazing. Okay, so tell me more about Ample Labs. So you guys are trying to solve homelessness through technology, but like what what does that exactly mean? That's a really good question. Um, Sarah, and I think for like the first year or so, whenever I put like I would say in a sentence, we're trying to tackle homelessness using technology, people would just look at me funny. Like seriously, I kid you not. And so what that looks like for us is, you know, we discovered this a couple of really interesting stats that sort of drove the foundation of our work. So the first thing we learned is that homelessness in Canada is very different than we think. So when I think about someone who's experiencing homelessness, you know, typically I'm thinking about that person who's sleeping outside, who maybe is in a tent, who is panhandling, who's sort of living outside. But that's actually only 10% of homeless population. Majority of people experiencing homelessness in Canada are what we call hidden homeless. So that's actually the 90%. And what's really interesting um, about people experiencing homelessness in North America is that about 94% of the segment actually own a mobile phone and about 77% own a smartphone. And we sort of learned about this insight as we dove into this work. And so that's why for us, leveraging technology, especially uh, emerging technology, is really important to us. These are crazy. 10% of what people traditionally think of as homeless, that's a tenth of the population, but then this other statistic of like 94% of them owning cell phones, like, 
holy cow. And it's funny <laughs> because like, I think people joke about, there's like a commercial, I think it's like advertising WeChat payments or something where someone pays the like busker or the homeless person donates right. through right. that. And everyone's right. like, oh, they don't have cell phones. Actually, they do. Actually, they do. Actually, they do. And, you know, there's been a a decade of secondary research and academic research out there to prove the statistics. So you can't invalidate this. It's been proven out in the last decade. Wow. Okay. So then right before Ample Labs, then let's take a step back. You were at Ecobee. What exposed you to this problem to begin with? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. So, you know, my journey, like I said, after graduation was really diving into uh, the tech sector. I, you know, I really wanted to see what it was like to work at a startup. And so my day to day was really building software, right? Building the best product, the best user experiences uh, out there to, you know, hundreds and thousands or millions of people. And at the time, I wasn't really thinking about anything else. However, I always knew in the back of my mind, that, you know, I felt like, you know, I was doing some really cool stuff for folks like Chanel, Michael Kors, but there was always something missing from an impact uh, perspective. So what happened to me was that a good friend of mine had actually uh, become homeless and it was out of the blue one day. I got this call. He was about to get evicted. I had learned later that he got laid off twice and didn't have savings because he was supporting his family. He had a single mother, uh, three siblings, and he was sort of the sole breadwinner and he was dealing with an eviction and he didn't know what to do. And he was literally calling to ask if he can crash at my place. And I was like, yeah, dude, like, of course, but not only that, like, let's try to figure this out because you're in a really tough uh, situation. And it was through that experience of um, helping him deal with his eviction and figuring out what to do that I found it to be completely frustrating because I didn't know where to go. So I went to Google and I spent like hours and hours on Google trying to piece together what his next steps were, services that were available. And I just found it so frustrating because I'm like, you know, if this is this difficult for me and I'm not my friend, if my friend were in my shoes and he had to go through this, you know, like this is just painful. And so is there anything out there that could sort of expedite this or make this easier? And when we did our research, there wasn't. So that was sort of the impetus for for Chalmers. That's insane. It's crazy to me that, I mean, I, I feel like everyone has encountered homeless people, but it's very passive, like in passing, Mm. you get off the subway, you've encountered someone panhandling, right? What an experience to actually have someone who's close to you go through this kind of experience to really expose you to the fact that this is actually a problem. Yeah, yeah. And and what that showed me is that it can actually happen to any of us, right? Um, like we're sort of learning with COVID is that 50% of Americans are two paychecks away from becoming homeless and that, you know, how easy it is to sort of be in this situation. And that I never thought it would happen to someone who is hardworking, well-educated, um, who had good jobs, who held down good jobs, but because of a series of unfortunate events in a very short amount of time, right? So this also completely blew that myth out of the water too for me. That is, that's so, so interesting. And what a, what a powerful way to do this. So the, when you started Ample Labs, was this like side of desk or did you just like drop everything and go all in? <laughs> yeah, no, it was absolutely on the side of our desks. Like, in fact, I think, you know, me and the co-founding team, we all had, you know, nine to fives. We're all working in tech in this little nice, comfortable bubble, I would say. And we were kind of doing this on the side of our desks. Um, yeah. Okay, you also talked about, you know, the the COVID situation right now. And here we are eight months after they declared a pandemic. What has the pandemic done for the homelessness situation right now? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I would say 
you know, it looks different for different segments of this population. So when I talked about this 10% that's visible and the 90% that's invisible, you know, I can talk about for the 10% that is visible. And I have friends who are, you know, very much on the ground who are trying to sort of help our city's most vulnerable. So those that have been chronically homeless, the, the academic definition is someone who's experienced homelessness for over a year. You know, it's really sad because you think about all the places that have shut down, places like McDonald's or Tim Hortons, you know, these are places where people would actually spend their nights in. And now that all of these places are shut down, you know, I heard stories of people literally riding the night buses um, as a place to sleep because they can't go anywhere indoors. And I don't even want to think about honestly, like what's what that's going to look like when the winter comes. But I think for the 90%, you know, it just becomes that much harder. I think the other thing you know, you can look at is all of these people who are filing for unemployment. So when we look at what are some of the biggest risk factors for someone falling into homelessness, the number one factor is loss of employment. So you have all of these people who have lost their jobs due to COVID who are now extremely at risk. So I predict what's going to happen is a gigantic amount of people who are going to be at risk, who are going to unfortunately have to face homelessness. And we got to do something about that. Holy cow. And what, what did we spike at like 15% unemployment, like 3 million unemployed Canadians at our peak, right? That's right. That's, and this is in an era too, where it's completely unprecedented that like more, you could freeze your mortgages. Some landlords would give you, um, some of them might cut you a, a break on rent, that kind of idea, right. but everything's kicking in now. Right. 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 And then with the cold weather setting in, I know everyone's been complaining that it's too cold to be out on a patio right now. And I think the mental health crisis that's coming is going to, it's going to be an explosion. And I think it's going to cross like demographics and ages and like everything that anyone has ever known about depression and anxiety. I think this is going to be a huge problem. I, I think so too. And, you know, like I can tell you some local numbers here in the, the GTA in the last few months, we saw domestic violence calls spike by 400%. We saw suicide hotline calls uh, spike by a thousand percent. We saw entries to food banks spike by 53% and, you know, on and on and on. And so we're already seeing that and we're not necessarily feeling the full effect. And we're kind of in a you know, a wave two, so to speak, here in Canada or where we are. So yeah, it's it's unfortunately going to be pretty bad. Wow. Okay. So then your artificial intelligence chatbot right now, like, like, so what does it do? Like, let's say if I need a place to sleep, but like, what, what else can it help me with? Yeah, for sure. So, um, you know, people always ask us why is chatbot? Well, you know, it's sort of like texting your friend, everyone's sort of familiar with, you know, a conversation, how a conversation goes. Um, so it's a heuristic that people are familiar with. And at the time, what we were thinking is, you know, for someone who is first time homeless, they don't necessarily even know what's going to be available to them. So the idea of, of Chalmers is to really streamline that uh, information. And instead of, you know, going to Google and getting 100 recommendations, Chalmers's job is to give you the best recommendation. And so what you can do is you can go on to Chalmers and you can literally type in to it and say, I'm hungry or I don't have a place to sleep tonight. And it, it can direct you to the appropriate service. Not only that, it always takes your device location and the time into account. So it's always going to point you to things that are open and closest to you. So that logic on the back end is something that we've set. And because it's um, because it's built on AI and it's built with natural language processing, you know, there's a lot of potential. 
So what that means is, you know, we can translate it in a bunch of different languages. Imagine being able to speak to Chalmers with your voice um, and it respond to you in your natural language. And if we miss utterances that people utter into Chalmers, we can train it so that the next time someone asks that question, it can answer it. So it gets smarter and better over time. The last thing about Chalmers is that, you know, we take a very human-centered design approach when we were building this product. And what we had saw when we were sort of beta testing was that people were expressing themselves into Chalmers. People would actually tell us their situation or that they're depressed, they're having thoughts of suicide. So we actually built empathy into it. And so Chalmers knows when users are typing in negative utterances and it will respond and say, I'm going to be here for you, my friend. Everything's going to be okay. And so that's one thing that's unique that, you know, you're not going to get from going to Google. That's incredible. The, the empathy portion, even this, just what a simple idea of like taking your device location and time into account. Like it's such a small thing, but it can make all the difference to whether or not someone gets help now or gets help tomorrow at 9am during scheduled business hours. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Jeez, that's so cool. So when you were beginning to like build Ample and and the this chatbot, like what kind of training data were you using? What kind of training data? I mean, we had to sort of compile it ourselves or uh, work directly with, um, you know, say shelters or co-design it uh, with people who uh, have lived experience because it's really important that it's not, you know, the technologists in the room who are kind of uh, making up these utterances that people wouldn't actually utter. And then obviously, you know, once we put it out there, we're constantly, we're daily, hourly collecting utterances through the chatbot. So then over time, we would sort of have our own sort of a keyword database, if you will, and then, you know, use that as a starting point. I feel like your AWS bill is massive. <laughs> <Absolutely> massive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know what the good news is because we're a nonprofit, we get, um, we're actually using a bunch of free credits. So we're okay for now. <laughs> That's awesome. So this may sound a little like heartless, but I, I guess a part of me is also like you're a not-for-profit, you're working with the homelessness problem. How do you make money? Like, how are you paying you and your team? And you, you founded a real company off of this. So like, how does that work? Yeah, no, that's a good question. People ask us that all the time. Um, so for us, you know, we have like five main revenue streams, I would say. So the first is individual donations. So kind people like yourself, Sarah, and others who believe in us uh, can donate to us. Um, the second is grants. The third is foundations. Uh, we've done crowdfunding before as well. And then uh, corporate partners. So we have some amazing tech corporate partners. So shout out to Twitter, TD, Google, BlackRock, TELUS, you know, the, the list goes on. Um, so there's some amazing people out there who believe in us and the work that we do. And lastly, um, and this is something that the team and I have been working a lot on this year, is that we are seeing a demand for this application across various municipalities uh, and cities due to COVID. And really COVID has sort of exacerbated the need for navigation. Um, and so the, the sort of the fifth or the last revenue stream is earned revenue. So we're sort of taking like a SaaS approach. So offering Chalmers as software as a service to cities and municipalities and getting earned revenue so that we can be sustainable and we can scale and grow. That's cool. So then I guess another question I'm wondering is like, could I use Chalmers to like say, like, 
every once in a while I'll go through like my closet and I've got like gently used clothing or something like, could I use Chalmers to understand like, how can I, how can I help? Like how, where do I donate? Where does my money go? How can, how can I lean in here? Yeah. So no, that's, that's a really good question. I love the lean in bit. We unfortunately can't do that right now. However, we've noticed that a lot, like, especially during COVID we've noticed because when people come onto Chalmers, there is an onboarding that we, you know, ask people to fill out. They can also skip it, but we're trying to identify who is coming and what are they here for? And the category of I'm helping someone, um, actually, you know, we saw a bunch of spike during COVID and we would see people type into Chalmers and say, hey, I have used clothing. I want to donate. Where can I donate it to? Um, so this, I guess you could say unmet need uh, has been identified on Chalmers, but at the moment we don't have a way to sort of, uh, whatchamacallit, like, like a marketplace where you can match your donation item to an agency that needs it. Uh, but this is something that, you know, the team and I have talked about before. That's awesome. Look, we're going to, we're going to build product roadmaps for you. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. <laughs> but like, I, I love, I love that idea. And uh, th- if there's one thing that COVID has taught me is it's, we've seen so many different sides of humanity, but it, it makes me feel so good knowing that you mm. guys have had a spike in interest of people wanting to help. Absolutely. This, this time. Absolutely. It's just, I don't know. I don't know. 2020 will go down in history for so, so many reasons, mm-hmm. but I'm hoping that, you know, really exposing the good that people are doing for each other is going I think to be so. I think, uh, think we'll so. See. Yeah. And, and actually <laughs> there's a, the story behind our brand colors. We use orange and blue. Um, you know, the reason we use blue, I think everyone knows why we use blue. So you think about all the tech companies like Facebook, Twitter, you know, everybody is using that blue. And so the blue represents technology, but we actually use more orange than blue because the, the orange means humanity. It means empathy, right? It means people who care. And so there's, and so there's just more orange in our branding than there is blue because ultimately technology is a tool, right? It's, it's designed to be used to serve humans. And if we're not doing that, or on the contrary, we're doing more harm than good, then why should it exist? Right? It shouldn't. I love it. Did you, did you design your logo and your we, brand colors? We, we didn't. Ample? We got a, a professional to do it, but you know, the ethos of, of Ample, we sort of tried to come up together as a team and, and bake into the brand. Oh, I love it. I love working with product designers. It's funny because at some point in time, it's like, like my, the designers that I work with, they, they like really force me to think about, you know, like, how do I want to feel about this? How do I want to, and a part of me is always just like, can we just build the product and worry about this later? But I never regret it. Like I always, it always comes back to, I'm like, I'm so glad we spent the time to talk about this. It's just so, so interesting. I want to switch gears a little bit because I have you and you're captive right now. So you are a young female entrepreneur and you don't strike me as the kind of person who who fears change or anything. If anything, I think you like a challenge. Mm. But like, was there any fear or anything about starting a new company? Did your friends and your family tell you you're crazy? (laughs) Yeah, no, it's a good question. So I think I've always been kind of a rebel, Sarah. It's kind of, I don't know, I feel like it's part of my DNA. So when I was in school, I was pretty rebellious. So I wasn't a very good student because I think I was just not probably not stimulated by what I was, you know, studying. Um, So because I was kicked out of school, I started like selling t-shirts online. I was on Shopify. And at that time, you know, Shopify was like a baby, but I'm like, I love this platform. Like I can do everything. I can shoot my own photos, you know, like what is drop shipping? Oh, that's interesting. Let me learn. So I think I've always kind of been um, a little bit of like rebel with a good heart, if you will. Um, And so starting my own company or starting my own e-commerce shop when I was an undergrad, I think just taught me that it is scary for sure. It is fearful for sure. But if you're willing, you can always figure it out. I think the difference is that when I talk to people 
who are maybe a little bit older, who have more to lose, it's a little bit more difficult. But I'll be very honest, like when I decided to make the jump, it was sporadic. It wasn't planned. I didn't have too much savings. Like I knew I could, you know, live on my savings for, um, you know, six to 12 months, but um, we didn't have any, you know, I didn't raise any money. I didn't do around with family and friends. And so probably the first, I want to say six, six to eight months, I was so scared because I'm like, I'm looking at my bank account every day. I'm spending money. We're not making any money. We were in the red. And so I was like, what do I do if this doesn't work out? You know, it kind of feels like, you know, and I know there's an option, like in the back of my mind, I know I can, okay, we'll just go get a job. But when you're in it, you don't really think about that. And it's fear inducing, it's anxiety inducing. I had so many sleepless nights. So I'm definitely not going to downplay like, oh, yeah, I know it's easy. It's, it's you know, whatever, because it's not. But then on the flip side of that, it's like, if I never make this jump and try to do this full time, then I never really know how big this can be or how far it can go or how much impact we can truly create. And so you kind of have to jump, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's, oh my goodness, so many things that you said there, a lot, lot to unpack. But I think this idea too that, you know, yeah, I could go back and get a real job, but there's also like, there's almost a little bit of like a stubbornness and a pride to it because mm. it means if you've like ample failed. Yeah. I think a part of that. And it's like, are you ready to, to make that declaration? And totally. Like that's all. Totally. Like, and to be fair, I think some people have like stubbornly stuck with it when they shouldn't have. And I think some people walk away too early. Right. So goodness knows. But I think the reality is like, it's not easy. And I think we do people a disservice by pretending that become an entrepreneur. It's easy. Like, oh my goodness. No, it's not. Yeah. You know, what's funny, like just on that note and just to add to it, like, you know, people would ask me like, oh, what's the hardest thing? Or, you know, what's, what's the biggest challenge? And I'm like, I just wish at the time that I was quitting my job, that somebody tried to warn me to be like, listen, you do not want to do this. Like, I am telling you, don't do this. Like, just please don't do it. Just keep your job. Just like do this on the side, right? Because nobody, like you can read all the articles there are out there, but it will be a thousand times harder than anything you read. And it's just like, nobody really tells you how damn hard it is, right? And it's like, we should warn people. Like we should tell people, don't do it seriously. Like, you know, (laughs) don't do it. So funny. Do you know what I, I, I had this, this moment, I was working for a startup and um, someone had come to me and they were, and there was like a situation. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to go to Google with this. And Google was always like, tell your manager, talk to HR. I'm like, I am my manager. I am HR. Where's the advice for me? I don't, right. I also don't have the money to pay $600 an hour for a lawyer. Right. Like, I don't even know if, if I need to go get to that point. Right. right? And it's like super, super frustrating. Right? Absolutely. Uh, do you have, do you have mentors? Like how did, how do you get through those, like those dark days, if you will? Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, I have mentors, advisors, colleagues, friends. I think for me, even this year, you know, I mean, COVID has to your point, it's going to go down as just one of the, the most craziest unimaginable years in history. But to be honest, like earlier this year, there were moments where I was contemplating whether or not I should continue you know, because beginning of the year, we, we didn't see the traction that we, we wanted to. People were shooting us down. I was going out there and truly collecting no's, but everybody was saying no, right? And it's like, I can only hear enough no's before it really crushes my spirit and, you know, questioning myself if I should do this. And I do think is that stubbornness. I think there was just something in me that just didn't want to give up until, you know, we fully sought this through. 
But I think if you don't have a strong support network, yeah, you will want to give up. And, and I mean, I think about giving up still, right? Like it's, I don't know when I'm not going to think about it because it's, it's just hard. Like it's just, it's just really hard. This is, this has been absolutely fantastic. Um, I usually ask people to end with a piece of advice, but I actually would like two pieces of advice <laughs> okay. from you. If there's somebody facing challenges right now, like what's, what would you say to them? Yeah, I mean, depending on what your challenge is, uh, you can go to chalmers.app, C-H-A-L-M-E-R-S dot A-P-P. Uh, if you're in need of critical services, there is a great resource that we learn called 211. So you can pick up your phone and dial 211 at any time. It'll direct you to sort of the right service. And I would honestly say the last advice is just don't be afraid to reach out and ask for help, um, right? Because I think sometimes we are so maybe ashamed uh, when we are going through a crisis or we feel like we need to go through it together. But in my experience and even in our friend's experience, you know, the best things come out of, you know, reaching out and asking for help. And I know sometimes it's not always easy and you may not have that circle, but uh, I encourage people to do it. That's great. And then if you had a piece of advice that you'd love to give to budding entrepreneurs out there, what would it be? So <laughs> if you've already taken the leap, you know, I think there's only one thing I would say is just don't give up. Um, because I thought about quitting so many times. I still do, to be completely honest. And what did Steve Jobs once say? He said, most of the people who are successful are just people that didn't quit, are just people that didn't give up. So it's like so cheesy and it's like, oh my gosh, like, yes, you're saying this thing that, you know, I've heard a million times. But like, honestly, like, I think in those really difficult moments, Sarah, where I wanted to quit, like, future CG would be like, just don't quit. Like, you know, you're about to get this thing or you're about to work with this company, like just a couple more days, you know, hang in there. And like, that's really the advice because you can have such a shitty day and tomorrow you get this deal. Or, you know, two days later, you meet someone that introduces you to someone that, you know, lands you on a podcast like this. So it's like, um, don't give up. I love that. that on, and I love being able to end on a, on a positive note like that. Well, thank you so much for your time today. Really appreciate it. Definitely going to be watching you and Ample Labs and everything you guys do in the future. And, you know, thank you so much for quite honestly tackling such a, such a horrible social issue that we have right now. Yeah. And thank you, Sarah, for thinking of us and inviting us. It's, it's been a pleasure. Friendly reminder, comments, views, and opinions expressed in this podcast do not constitute as business or investment advice. Comments mentioned by podcast participants are solely their own and do not reflect the views of analytics by design and its constituents. Until next time, I'm Sarah Sun, and stay curious.